0: Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message.
1: I'm gonna do the Bible reading today, which is an awesome, awesome privilege. Uh, And this is God's word we're about to hear, the most important thing in our week. If you have a Bible, open it up to James chapter 5 from verse 7, I'll be reading, uh, or you can look it up on your phone, but if you want something without notifications, you can grab a Bible from the foyer. Um, It's handy, it's a handy trick, reading analog, don't get distracted. (laughs) All right, you probably have had time to find it now. (laughs) People still looking? (laughs) Be patient, Luke. Um, I'm going to read this uh, starting from the words be patient in verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brothers and sisters, it says, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruits of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient, establish your hearts. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, that, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. And you've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Is anyone among you suffering? Let them pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let them sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church and let them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will serve the one who is sick and the Lord will raise them up. And if they have committed sins, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, And someone brings them back. Let them know that whoever brings back a sinner from their wandering will save their soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. This is God's word.
0: Thank you. All right. Well, welcome. Welcome. if you're new here, my name's Luke, I'm one of the pastors here, and it's great to have you here. This is our last uh, sermon in a series that we've been doing on the book of James, which is called The Way of Wisdom. Um, James is written by a guy named James, who is a half-brother of Jesus, and he, uh, it's unlike other New Testament books, it's not like a, a concise letter that sort of follows an argument from start to finish and it's sort of a collection of topical sayings and ideas on different areas to give Christians wisdom for the way they live their life. And tonight's message is is called wisdom about suffering. So we're going to get into it. It's going to be a little bit um, a little bit heavy. But as I kind of dug into the the passage and into what James is really getting at, it's actually really, really hopeful. And so we'll go, we'll follow that journey of, ooh, this is getting a bit eek, and land in a place of, oh, God is really good. So I'm just telling you that now so that, uh, you know, as we go, you're ready. I was at the Barber on Friday. In fact, um, well, no, yeah, I was. Um, No one said anything, though, so obviously it's not that showy, but... While I was at the barber, I got caught up in a conversation with the barber and the there's a barista there too It's a very cool obviously cool barber shop that has a, a barista and he just he kind of just sits there. I've never seen him make coffees but it's the thing anyway they were having a chat and the barista, it turns out had, had just come over from Melbourne he'd been living in Melbourne for the last While And he was kind of talking. um, They were mid-conversation when I walked in and the barbers was just like, you know, just like sit down. And I just sat there and they just kept talking. I was like, whatever, that's fine. But I don't go to the hairdresser for a chat. Does anyone? I don't really like it. I just want them to cut my hair. Anyway, that's an aside. But they were chatting about this guy, this barista's um, experience of being in COVID lockdowns in Melbourne. And he was talking about how... Um much. his mental health had suffered. He was talking about how uh, lonely he'd been, how depressed he got, living in a, an apartment in the city, working online, um, not really interacting with people very much. And even though he said he went out every day and walked and he was eating like the best he'd ever been eating in his whole life, he was really suffering. He was really struggling. And the barber, who is a Christian, that's why I go there, he responded and he was kind of like, he was kind of sharing Christian ideas without really saying they're Christian ideas. He was talking about, you know, how it's, yeah, it just goes to show, you know, we're meant to be in community, we're meant to be together. It's like life's so much better when we're together. And the barista left the room and the conversation then moved to American sports and I was like, I'm out. But I was thinking about it later and this guy, this barista, He hadn't been questioning the why of his suffering that he'd gone through. He was just lamenting how he'd actually dealt with it. He was kind of looking back and reflecting, oh, I wish I'd reached out more. I wish I'd made more effort, maybe even like got to know my neighbors, all these kinds of things. And as I was kind of reflecting on the way he was reflecting and and sort of thinking about this suffering that he'd gone through, kind of got me thinking like I think often when we suffer and when we see suffering we ask the why question. We want to know the reason. We want to know that it makes sense. We want to know that there's some kind of cosmic plan or something that that makes the bad thing matter. We want to know why this is happening to me. Why am I sick? Why is my life not panned out how I hope? Why do you know People suffer, and there's this saying, and it's it's probably really unhelpful, but it comes from a poem, and it and the saying is yours is not to reason why, and it comes from this this poem by Lord Tennyson, and it's about uh, it's called the Charge of the Light Brigade, and if you're a, a World War One history buff like me, um, it's this story of this Australian cavalry unit. It's all very exciting, and they had to charge. Uh, into this town, like straight into cannon fire, and take this town and take the wells, so that the army could uh, could get water. But the the poet Tennyson, he kind of suggests that it's not wasn't the soldiers' job to question why they had to do it. He just they just had to do it. And he's not just talking about soldiers. He's making this wider comment on. The futility of things and and how we often want to know the reason why, even though we don't always get to know the reason why. Sometimes we don't know the why of what's happened in our life. In fact, I think more often than not, we don't get to know the why. We sort of look at the things that have happened and sometimes we can see, oh, yep, I can see that makes sense. But I think more often we look back and we go, I don't really get it. And we see the things that are happening in our world. We see war and we see famine and we see sickness and we see all of those things and we kind of ask why and there isn't necessarily a clear, good, clean answer. Mankind has, from the beginning, suffered. The very first family in the book of Genesis, you have Adam and Eve and their sons Cain and Abel The first family ends in a tragedy with a brother killing a brother. From the beginning, there's been this pattern of kind of just awfulness and people struggling and people suffering. And as we look at the world around us, we look at the various situations happening in our context and broadly across the world. The more you dig, the more you look, the more you find suffering the human experience, it's been said, is marked by suffering. I was trying to find a nice snappy quote about suffering to give you and it seems that kind of everyone has had a say from Aristotle to Karl Marx to Kurt Cobain to Angelina Jolie. Everyone has their take on suffering. So it tells me, though, that suffering is a human experience that we all share. Everyone suffers in some way we don't necessarily get to know why. And so as I talk tonight and as I try and I guess unpack what James is saying about suffering, the wisdom that he's offering, we're going to actually put the why question aside because James doesn't necessarily address it here. He doesn't necessarily tell us why things are happening, but he tells us what to do when you suffer because we will all suffer. And so what we need to know is, what do we do? So how do we approach it? How do we have wisdom about suffering? And so there's three things I kind of want to look at tonight. And the first is patience in suffering. The second is perseverance in suffering. And then the third thing is prayer in suffering. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are good, even if... A lot of the circumstances that we find ourselves in and the things that we see around the world are not. Lord, we believe that you reign and rule and we believe that you are bringing all things together for your good and for your glory. Lord Jesus, as we talk about suffering, as we talk about hard things, show us your wisdom, show us your heart, show us your great love and show us your way And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing that James suggests you could do with suffering is to be patient. He writes in verses uh, 7 through to 10, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm. Because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. So where there is suffering, James says, be patient. Easy. Suffering is cured. Solved. Do you feel much better about the things you've suffered now? Just be patient, right? Easy. It's good we can all go home. No, there's more to it than that. He says, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. Is anyone here particularly agricultural? Good. <laughs> Neither am I. <laughs> but I thought this was an interesting example And, you know, at face value, we can see, yeah, the farmer's waiting for rain. Yeah, I get that. Like, that that requires some patience, especially if you're a farmer in Australia when it always rains when you don't want it to and never rains when you want it to. But I kind of was wondering, I feel like there must be more to this. So I did a bit of a deep dive on this idea of the autumn and spring rains. And so for a crop to grow, it needs both early autumn and late spring rains. It needs rain. The seeds in the ground need rain at the beginning and at the end as well to grow. The late rains come just before the harvest to give the plant its last kind of kick, get that last bit of growth before it gets harvested. And in the Old Testament, there are a number of references to the early and late rains in Deuteronomy and Jeremiah and Hosea and Joel and Zechariah, the, the writers and the prophets, they talk about the early and late rains Not in terms of the crops in the ground, but in in terms of the faithfulness of the Lord. The Lord who is there at the beginning, the first rain, is also there at the end. James is using this example because it affirms this biblical pattern that the Lord who is the Alpha and the Omega, who is the beginning and the end, is faithful at the beginning and at the end. He's faithful in the suffering because he was there before it. He's faithful in the suffering because he's there beyond it. He is in it and he is through it. More than that, God, who has actually sown the seeds of faith in you, will be the one to cause that to grow and will be the one at the end to harvest when Lord Jesus returns. When a seed is in the soil and that first rain comes, you can't see what's happening. And if there's a harsh winter and everything's covered in ice and snow, obviously not here, but it's hard to know if what's there is actually growing. But when that late rain comes, it all blooms. What is getting at? is that you can be patient because God is before it, he's coming after it, and he's in the whole thing. That God is that early rain that allowed you to receive faith in this first point, and he is that late rain that will see it blossom, ready for harvest. So be patient because God is before it and he is beyond it. He's in all of it. He has the first say and the final say on suffering. So in your patience, persevere. James writes in verse 11, as you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And the story of Job is told in the Old Testament, and it tells a story of a man who, I guess, in material terms, loses everything. And it's a, it's a strange book of the Bible. It's an interesting story. It starts with Satan approaching God and, and asking, can I test your servant Job? I think he only serves you because of everything he's got, because of all the material things that he has. And it's, it's an interesting scenario. And God allows Satan to test Job. He allows Satan to let harm or bring harm to him, to take his property, his livestock, his family, his children, his wife. It's a full-on story and Job suffers greatly. And as he suffers and as he listens to his friends, he begins to question God. He begins to question like, God, where are you in this? Why is this happening? Like, What is the deal? And God speaks. And God speaks powerfully in the book of Job. And it's an interesting kind of thing. He kind of rebukes Job. He kind of puts Job in his place a little bit and says, well, Job, you're a man and I'm God. This is my paraphrase. And what I can do... And what I know and what I control is infinitely greater than what you know and can do and can control. And in God's rebuke, Job is actually comforted. It helps him go, oh, God's actually in control. And having proved to them that he loves God, irrespective of God's... Material blessings to him; he's restored to a full and blessed life. Job actually perseveres, and he trusts God, and he is restored into blessing and abundance. And this isn't a uh, this isn't a recipe for getting rich. This isn't a oh, you'll suffer, but don't worry; God's going to give you heaps of wealth here on earth. That's not what this is about. It's pointing to a a different picture. In James's reference to Job, he states that the Lord is full of mercy and compassion. So we can persevere because of the Lord's great mercy and compassion. And so while Job was restored out of his suffering into material wealth and riches and resources, and it says you know, he had more than he'd even had before, our hope is not in that. Our hope is in our coming King. Our hope is that he will return and he will make things right and he will judge the earth with justice and with mercy and with compassion and with love. And our hope is not in here. Our hope is in our inheritance with him. Tim Keller says, or said, in religion you obey because God is useful. In Christianity, you obey because God is beautiful. We believe in a beautiful God and we persevere because we look forward to that great and beautiful day when he returns, when he resurrects us into new life with him into a new creation that's immersed in the presence of that beautiful God. So how do we see beauty, how do we see God as beautiful in the middle of suffering, in the middle of hard things? Well, with patience, with perseverance, and lastly, and I think this is the most important, is in prayer. I think so often we suffer and we talk to other people about it But I wonder how much we actually do pray. I know there's definitely times in my life where I've had, you know, problems and things that need solving, and I spend a long time trying to work it out myself before I bring it to Jesus. And when we look at the world and we look at the suffering in the world, it is overwhelming the more you look the more overwhelming it gets like that's a reality like it is just huge and what can we do with huge suffering I think the only thing we can do is get on our knees before an even bigger God who was before that suffering and who will be beyond that suffering who actually holds it all in the palm of his hand And who will bring justice and mercy to those who need it? So James says, if is anyone among you in trouble, let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. The first response to trouble, James says, is prayer. The first response to good things, James says, is praise. The first response to sickness is prayer. The first response to sin is confession and prayer. It's interesting that James narrows in on the individual sufferings of individual people here. He doesn't leave it as a big picture thing, but he kind of gets small and says, what's happening for you? What's happening in your life, in your circumstances? Are you sick? Wisdom in suffering is to pray. It's to trust our circumstances, our health, our well-being, even our sin into God's hands. In Proverbs, in the Old Testament book it says, uh, in Proverbs 3, 5 to 8, normally you just hear 5 and 6, but I think 7 and 8 are an interesting, interesting dimension. Says trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways know him, and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This will be healing for your body and strengthening for your bones. Trust in the Lord. The fear of the Lord, following his ways and relying on his wisdom will bring relief, even healing, the writer says. It says, turn away from evil. Don't be wise in your own eyes. So often it's easy to look at the problems in our own life and the problems in our friends' lives and the problems in the world and have our own ideas about what should happen. And we even bring those to God. God, you should really do something about this, and this is what I think you should do. Anyone else done that? So often we think we know. So often we think we have the picture and we have the solution. But our God who is before and after, who is the beginning and the end, sees the whole story. He knows how things will end. He knows the why, even if we don't get to. So he's the one that we trust. He's the one that you turn to with your suffering because it's too big for us. It's too big for me, so I assume it's too big for you as well. So with suffering, what do we do? We trust in the Lord. We pray to God for healing, knowing that he can heal, knowing also that our ultimate hope for healing is found in the resurrection and in the new creation with Jesus. I've prayed for people and seen them get healed, and I've prayed for people and seen them not get healed, and I don't know why. I don't know God's plan in these things, but I know that James says, Pray for healing. And so let us in faith approach God for healing. But as as it says in Proverbs, let us turn from evil because that will also bring healing. And not just healing for us, but healing for others as well. And sometimes as much as we don't want to admit it, we actually can be part of the cause of our own suffering and of the suffering of others. Our own sin our own idolatry, our own addictions, our own selfish desires cause us to suffer. If you stay up all, na- all night on your phone and you get three hours of sleep and you do that for enough months in a row and then you start to feel depressed and lonely and socially isolated but you have only get two hours of sleep a night and you've created a pattern and you can't get out of it, there's a good chance that you've caused that yourself. If you eat terribly and drink a lot and keep doing that for enough years, you will make yourself very sick. And you could shake your fist at God and say, why did you let this happen? And he'll just look and say, well... Maybe you've caused this yourself. We don't want that because we'd rather blame everyone else. But sometimes the suffering in our lives is caused by us. And so what this passage says, because James is acknowledging this, he says, confess your sins, be forgiven, and find healing in those areas of your life. And I'm not saying all suffering is caused by your sin either, or your phone addiction, just some of it. <laughs> but if you're here tonight and you have unconfessed sins, then let's actually be bold in confession with the Lord and with one another. We've got people here tonight that are trusted and they're confidential in these matters and they would love to pray for you for healing in sickness and for Confession and restoration in sin. Wisdom in suffering is patience, it's perseverance, and it's prayer. I have hope in suffering because I believe that when Jesus comes back, and he is, but when he comes back, he will make things right. And his justice would not be the justice we would choose. And it won't be the mercy that we'll expect. It will be better. Because he is good. And he hears the cries of the brokenhearted. And he is close to those who are crushed in spirit, it says in the Psalms. So when we look at the anguish of our world and the suffering of others and we feel that in ourselves, we can know that God is there by his spirit. He sees it, he knows it, and he has a better way through it than any of us. Does that excuse us from standing, for, from standing up for what is right and for, for being uh, merciful and just and compassionate? No, it doesn't. But we do all of that knowing that God will ultimately bring those things. And so that's why when I look at the suffering of the world, it grieves me, but I have hope. Do you have hope? Do you trust that Jesus will rule and reign and that he will bring justice and that he will make things right? Because if you look at the suffering in your own life and if you look at the suffering of the world and you don't feel that hope, if you feel overwhelmed and you feel like God's not in this, then I think you need to meet Jesus. And you might have been in church your whole life and I think you still might need to meet him again. Because when our eyes are fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, we can run this race, this life with perseverance. Jesus, who was the perfect human, suffered. He suffered for our sake, he suffered for you. He suffered for the world, that he might restore it. It says that he did not come to the world to condemn it, but to save it. So Jesus is at work. Do you have hope? Let's pray. Father God, we trust that you are good. Sometimes it's hard to see your goodness. Sometimes we see things and we don't know what to do with them or how to rationalise them or understand you in them. But, Lord, if we take you at your word, we can see that you actually love people more than we do. You care about the plight of those who are suffering more than we do. You care about us more than we do. And Lord, we want to understand things. We want to know why bad things happen. We want to know why innocent people suffer. Lord, I pray that It might be enough for us that you know why. That it might be enough for us that you are coming back with mercy and with justice. Lord, that it might be enough for us to put our hope in you in the midst of suffering. Lord, we need your hope. And Lord Jesus, I know there's people here tonight that need your hope, that feel hopeless because of things they've suffered or because of the suffering that they see around them, and they go, Well, how can God be in that? Lord Jesus, I pray that you would reveal yourself in your love in your gentleness, in your mercy to us. That we would see that you are the early rain at the beginning, before all things, and you're the late rain that brings the harvest, and that you are above and you are after. Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to trust that you know the why. Comfort us, Lord, but also give us hope. Help us not to be frozen, but help us to move. Help us to move with love in the world that you love. Amen. Now we have our, our elders and pastors that are here um, tonight and they, they will be at the back and they are ready and willing to pray with you if you would like to be, I guess, to trust and ask God maybe for healing If there's been something that's been going on physically, mentally, emotionally, that's been there for a long time or even a short time, but that you would go before God again and ask, Lord, would you heal me? And perhaps you know that there is sin in your life. that's unconfessed, that's rotting away, that's taking your joy That's what sin does. It steals, it kills. And it can start small with little compromise, but before we know it, it can overrun our whole lives. It's very easy to get cynical when you're full of sin. Please don't stay there. Please don't stay there. Like I said before, the people that are here to pray for you, they're they're trustworthy, they're safe, they're confidential. They're not going to share what you share. They'll just pray with you. But Please don't stay in that place. Walk in the freedom that Jesus has died for you to walk in. freedom even in suffering so let's stand and the band will lead us and yeah if you want prayer for for any of those things then, then please do that thanks for listening to the hills baptist podcast